0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Frazis Capital Podcast. I'm Michael Frazis, and today I'm having another chat with Peter Stevens.
1: Peter, how are you? Hey, Mike. Very well, thanks. Exciting times, as always.
0: It is. I mean, it's been... Uh, I guess the market's gone, kind of gone sideways for the last couple of months, but for our space, for technology, it's been, you know, some of the best you know, weeks and months we've ever had.
1: Yeah, the fund hasn't. So so that's always good.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been strong. It's just been across the board, you know, life sciences, online retail. You know, a lot of these companies are effectively winding up and, you know, they've just kind of, you know, who would have thought? I mean, we, I think we talked about Pinduoduo a year ago when we bought it. It's up, you know, more than four times since then. Carvana's um, 3 to 4x. Obviously, Afterpay is now 15x since we bought I Great. mean it's been uh, it's I been a strong it's, uh,
1: run. It's really reiterated the strategy uh and its viability over the long term.
0: Yeah, I guess the interesting thing is is we've gone obviously we own a lot more stocks now, so we've got over 40, I'll say roughly 40. Um and interestingly that hasn't really impinged on our returns. You know, I guess owning owning like six companies in e-commerce versus one or two you know, it's really it's really made sense and like really kind of helped the portfolio to have like a broader you know, number of those. If you think about it, if there's a 60% market leader in South America, um, a company growing faster than that, that's market leader in Southeast Asia, something like Pinduoduo that's, you know, the up and coming challenger in China, you may as well own them all rather than spend time trying to figure out which one's which. You know, even if that means you only have three, four percent in each one. Like combined that 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 that's a powerful concentrated portfolio without that kind of single stock risk. I mean, it's been really interesting, interesting, um, just interesting to see the portfolio move the way it has.
1: It's incredibly, like, it's really exciting. Um, and it's great that we've, we've been able to cover so many more companies uh, and investors have exposure to so many more great businesses now.
0: It's good. I mean, some of the interesting ones, I'm having a lot of conversations with people. Everyone's worried about valuations and how far things have gone in, in tech and whether they've missed, missed the boat. And obviously, it's, it's just human nature to think like that. You know, obviously tech has been going for many, many years. And before tech, you know, really started its bull run many decades ago, you know, autos had, you know, multiple decades in the sun and now kind of like the hot tech businesses of their day. You know, it's really that, you know, and cable and telecommunications around then, you know, in the last century as well. Some autos are
1: still hot tech businesses. Pardon? Some autos are still hot tech businesses. Now indeed, yeah. Now
0: indeed. For example, we've got Plug plug Power. Plug Power. So I wrote about that last month. It's almost doubled. We did ninety percent last month. So, Plug Power, for those who don't know, um, they basically make hydrogen fuel cells for the use for use within factories, effectively. So, instead of instead of putting a lead acid battery, they'll they'll take some, they'll make something that's or offer something that slots into the same slot um, and can be immediately recharged because hydrogen uses a lot less space and you know is much better for the environment because the only the only emissions are are water.
1: Um, They've won some amazing customers, including uh, AT and T, Verizon, Sprint.
0: Yeah, well, I guess thirty percent. I think now thirty percent of U.S. groceries are transported at some point in that supply chain by plug, plug power vehicles. And this is this is just this is just the first part of the strategy, right? Now, the idea is basically um, the the idea is to effectively. The next step would be to have vans that go from point to point. So the, the chicken and egg problem here, which is similar, is in electric is that you need the kind of like hydrogen refueling stations all around to make it viable for, for normal transport. But there's some instances for example, in a factory where you can have a single refueling spot and that can, that can source, you know, all the forklifts that need it. Similarly, if you have, you know, trucks going from point A to point B that's set um, within the same company, within the same enormous logistics company, again, it probably makes sense to put a hydrogen fuel cell, hydrogen refueling station there. Um, so, it's and obviously, once you have enough of those, then you can start thinking about maybe we've got enough to have, you know, a nationwide or certainly in the US, nationwide um, hydrogen refueling network. And so, I, I, just, I just love these, these companies that come up with these stage processes, these stage um, strategies where they win one particular market, one particular area that sets them up for the next step change in growth, which sets them up for the next step, step change in growth. Um, yeah. It's really interesting.
1: I think this. I mean, this would be a great time to introduce to subscribers and and listeners that we launched a YouTube channel very recently as well. And <laughs> yeah. uh, on the seventeenth of June, we actually did an interview with Ausbiz and uh, that interview covered Plug Power, mm. along with Solar Edge and Tesla. So you guys should mm. all check it out. It's on um, Fraser's Capital YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, video is just such a powerful thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm, we probably should have done this a long time ago. But Probably,
1: <laughs> it's very interesting. I mean, everyone should do everything a long time ago when it's worthwhile, right? So.
0: Yeah, definitely. But it's amazing. It's amazing the um the opportunities we're still seeing. I mean, people think tech's overvalued in many places. They are. But yeah, I'll give. I'll give another example. Um, we're working a company called Kingsoft Cloud. It's one of the big shareholders. Is Kingsoft? It's an Asian company. Um, it's effectively like Microsoft Office, um, for Chinese and for parts of Asia. Like hundreds of millions of users, um, and this is effectively like the Cloudflare or the Fastly, that 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 kind of red hot tech stock internet infrastructure in the U.S. You know those companies are trading at you know 30 times sales or certainly 25 times plus. You know, Kingsoft is coming out at five times sales. So you're looking at something that's and it's growing faster. So you've got something that's um, cheaper and growing faster, um, and a fraction of the valuation, and already I mean this thing effect this thing recently came to market and already it's it's moving extremely strongly. And it just shows like the market is so good at these things. Like one thing, it's, it, really gets, it really seems to get them right. Like the really high quality companies tend to be valued more um, than the ones that are, that are obviously second tier. Um, and when you see these opportunities where you have like a top tier company come to market, generally it doesn't stay there long. Uh, MongoDB was another example of that. I think it came out about six times sales and he's now trading at many multiples of that. So if you, can, if you can catch these things early and the only way to catch these things early is to do a lot of work and just be across the space, um, you can truly get some spectacular results. I mean... Why, why do you
1: think these businesses were, were priced initially at those kinds of valuations when they came to market? I think... There's, like they're misunderstood or they're... There's a
0: long... It's, it's a long... It's, it's a topic of debate. I mean, why does anything come out so cheap? Why, why do most IPOs pop? Why are they yeah. kind of systematically underpriced? Oh, I mean, some mind. of them are red hot, but syst- generally they're systematically underpriced, right?
1: Yeah. Um, the
0: answer for that is that people want to get them away. People, people want to get them away and they generally don't care because they still own most of their shares. So if you're only listing a few shares at a slightly discounted rate, you're actually not giving away too much. It's far more important to you to get, get a company listed to get a few happy shareholders at the start um, and then go on from there. I mean, that's a that's the theory anyway. That's one way of looking yeah. at it the other the flip side of that is well you're paying away money you know you've you've built a business you've got employees that have helped build the business their own equity why should you give anything to you know the hedge funds that' back it at the start that flip it you know and 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 that generally these funds that do that do offer a service you know because they will back almost anything that's reasonable that comes out because they know they'll get their five to ten percent um, mm. on average
1: if I not more. What The relationship is between uh, founders that IPO their businesses and versus private equity that IPO businesses.
0: What's that? What's the question?
1: I wonder the correlation between private equity IPOing a business instead of founders. The it's a
0: tough b- one. I think in general you'd probably, I mean, this is just making huge generalizations, <laughs> but in general the private equity people would probably want the bankers to sell the stock. They're trying to get the absolute maximum price. They'll want the bankers hounding the streets because they'll also be selling a lot of stock. On the flip side the tech founders probably are more inclined to try these new forms of direct listing because they don't want to give anything away you know they're not there to to flip it usually most of it's particularly the good ones they want to be there for the long run so they're the people that are less likely to want to give away even if it's just one two percent on um, it's unnecessary and, you know there's, there's a strong, very strong case for direct listing things because why should we pay all these fees I mean you've got all these exactly. shareholders some people want to buy it some people want to sell it just set up a market you know that, that happens every day at at, at 10.05 or whatever time is in in the ASX, you know, there's like a process where all the buyers line up or the sellers line up and they're all matched and then the, the thing starts trading. So you could effectively do that on the first day of trading a new stock and directly list companies. I, th- I think the world will do more of these. I think it
1: makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I guess but, it's just a general move to the free market and in every way.
0: Yeah, but I guess one of the things you notice, um, like think about... Think about the capital raisings that were happening in, um, you know, probably less of the last month, but certainly around March, May, April, May. Um, you know, there were funds that were willing to just step up and back everything. And then soon as the markets recovered, then literally every fund was willing to back it. Um, so you could argue that those companies paid away too much, and some of them did. I mean, there's some pretty outrageous instances. Um, there's a company Cochlear in Australia that basically what happens is the company goes and does the, um, they say they want to raise capital. The investment bank's, basically have a, a group called the Syndicate who then decides who gets the shares. And if it's obviously a deep a, a deep discount and it's hundreds of millions of dollars, there might be tens of millions or in really large capital raising hundreds of millions of dollars of instant profit available. Um, and it's the investment bankers have a pretty large, maybe very, very large say in who gets those. Instead, so it becomes a political thing. So I think there's a UK fund that made a fortune out of Cochlear. Um, and obviously everyone's thinking why on earth would the why on earth would the company give it to yeah, a fast what trading what fund? The yeah. answer is that they must have an amazing relationship with JP Morgan or um, I'm not sure exactly who the bank was. Anyway, we wanted the investment bank was that did the that did the raising and um, as a way of saying thank you for some ungodly amount of commission that had been spent in interest, um, they gave them shares. And it's just one of those interesting parts of the market. Um, but to answer the question, it's not really. It's not really for us to worry too much about why things are cheap. It's just when you get these fleeting opportunities to buy something that's just so out of whack with where the rest of the market is trading, you know, it's buying anything that's trading at 50% plus at six times sales, you know, high margin of revenue, you know, generally that's going to be an excellent, excellent buy. Um, Yeah,
1: I think that's what what the fund really offers uh, investors is that we will actively search for those opportunities when you don't have the time to.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's, you, only, you only do it by reading. You have to read a lot. You have to understand. Um, you have to be across the space. And I think focusing on tech and life sciences means you can really under, cover a lot of companies. Like there's only several hundred companies in tech over 2 billion market cap. Um, of those, you know, there's probably maybe a third of them would actually look at seriously. Um, and quite a few of those will know very well and track. And then maybe 30 to 40 of those are in the portfolio at any one time. So it's, it's, it's quite manageable, but yeah, the more work you do, I I think there's huge benefits for being focused and really understanding industries. Cause then when you see something that's in the same industry, but maybe in a different location or a different stage, um, you can act really fast, you know, very fast. And it's not because you haven't done the work. It's because you've done the work over the last years In the case of my partner, over the past few decades. Um, so it's kind of yeah, interesting.
1: We have a chat about SolarEdge, another another EV exposed firm.
0: Yeah, SolarEdge is inter- interesting. I think um, Israel came out and said they basically want to move like their entire electricity generation to solar. Um, SolarEdge is an Israeli company. Uh, they're kind of um, they were the inverters, so the people that converted AC current that hits the roof. Sorry, DC current that hits the roof on solar panels to AC current that's used. You know, in houses, um, so that's kind of what inverter is. Um, yeah, and I guess they're one of the mar- one of the two market leaders. And these were the guys that Tesla opted to use, for example, when they did their Powerwall to like much fanfare. Um, it's just a, it's just another interesting company in the renewable space that I think more people should earn exposure to. I mean that that decision by multiple governments to kind of switch more to solar. It's not even entirely. The kind of political one at the moment. It's like these things make huge economic sense, and much of that is tied in with batteries and the ability to store power. You know, there's huge advances in that part of the market, and so companies that that so so the numbers around you know solar have just improved so much and are still improving. So it's very early days in that. You could you could argue maybe in some parts of software it's late days. Um, I disagree. But you could certainly argue that. But in solar, you know, the in many ways like the easy wins are ahead. You know, there's your broad shift in adoption, shift in power generation. So it's a very exciting time to be invested in those companies.
1: Well, I think the the company ticks two incredibly necessary boxes, at least for the next 10 years or or you could argue next 100 years of investing. And that is, one, that it's economically viable and, and, and that's always been a necessity and two, that it's environmentally friendly.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, people, it's just what people want to do. People want to invest in these companies. They want to buy these products. Um, it just makes people feel good. It's the thing that people, it's the way people want to live increasingly at the moment. And I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: And and how do you feel more, more broadly about ESG investing and how the fund is positioned? positioned? I think it's like for
0: us, it's we're obviously all that stuff is very forward looking, you know, it's, it's, it's leading tech companies. It's leading solar companies. It's leading companies in hydrogen, you know, software companies that are making people's lives easier. Entertainment companies that are making people's lives more enjoyable. You know, for us, it's not like ESG or not ESG. We have to exclude certain things. Like every single thematic that we do is making the world a better place. So we don't have to need to worry about. Obviously, ESG is a is a is, mo- is is very much a marketing gimmick in Funland, and so it's a great. It's term. almost a bit cringy and boring. Like I'm just. <laughs> Like I'd never like label the fund as ESG just because it's a bit lame. Yeah, um, I mean, it's I just
1: an like that. it'll end up being ESG anyway because that, that's where the growth in tech and life sciences is. Uh, in 10 years' time, I would, I would bet that SolarEdge or Plug Power will be as big, if not bigger, than Whitehaven coal. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm not sure. I have probably haven't looked into too much of that, but I'd imagine that, yeah, coal companies going to come under a lot of pressure. They are under a lot of pressure it will be an interesting one to track anyway why don't we wrap things up there Pete
1: yeah that'll be great thanks Thanks so much for
0: coming on again we'll have another chat and update soon and we'll soon be releasing our end of year numbers as well so we can podcast around that as well
1: looking forward to it should be
0: good thanks babe so that wraps up another episode of Frazers Capital Podcast. I'm Michael Frazzers, Portfolio Manager here. And if you want to know more about us, you can find us at www.frazerscapitalpartners.com. Thanks so much for listening in.